Alright, I'm fucking lazy and I'm tired and I want to get at least some of this fucking idea already about the mic. So I guess I, I gotta do it now. Gotta be man of my word. This is gonna be the first chapter. I'm kind of just winging it on my third try after trying to figure out where I should put the fucking mic because the mic fucking sucks and my computer fucking sucks. But be reading Finance of Freddy's, even though the movie already came out, but who cares, cause fuck you guys. Anyways, chapter one. He sees me. Charlie dropped to her hands and knees. She was wedged behind a row of arcade games, cramped in the crawl space between the consoles and the wall, tangled electrical cords and useless plugs strewn beneath her. She was cornered. The only way out was past the thing. And she wasn't fast enough to make it. What am I talking about? The, the ding. She could see him stalking back and forth, catching flickers of movement as he passed before the gaps between the game. There was scarcely enough room to move, but she tried to call behind backwards. Her foot caught on a cord, and she stopped, contorting herself to carefully dislodge it. She heard the clash of metal on metal, and the farthest console rocked back against the wall. He hit it again, shattering the display, then attacked the next, crashing against them almost rhythmically, 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 I don't fucking know, tearing through the machinery, coming closer. I have to get out! I have to! The panic thought was of no help. There was no way out. Her arm ached, and she wanted to sob aloud. Blood was soaking through the tattered bandage, and it seemed as though she could feel it draining out of her. The console a few feet away crashed against a wall, and Charlie flinched. He was getting closer. She can hear the grinding of gears and the clicking of servos. What fucking name is word? Servos. Ever louder. Eyes closed. She could see the way he looked at her. See the matted fur and exposed metal beneath the synthetic, synthetic flesh. Suddenly, the console in front of her was wrenched away and toppled over, thrown down like a toy. The power cords beneath her hands and knees were yanked away, and Charlie slipped and stumbled, almost falling. She caught herself and looked up just in time to see the downward swing of a hook. Oh, and it stopped. <laughs> Doesn't look that good reading. But it's uh, three dots, and now we're in somewhere else. I'm assuming that was just, you know, in the stupid little plot line. It's like, oh, this is gonna happen near the end. And then, oh, wait, now we're back in the past before she fucking died or something. I don't fucking know. Swing of a hook, probably Foxy. You guys, you guys think it's Foxy? Leave a comment down below if you think it's Foxy. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Hurricane Utah. Charlie smiled wryly at the sign and kept driving. The world didn't look any different from one side of the sign to the other, but she felt a nervous anticipation, <laughs> anticipation as she passed it. She didn't. I'm recording this at like 3 a.m. It was like this is the only time I had like energy for it. I don't know. I was like, let me do it now. Let me, you know, not in the fucking daytime. No, no noise time. That's best time to do it. I'm not editing this because I don't know how to, so I'm going to put really shitty music behind it. So this is going to not match the pace at all. Actually, am I still recording? I am. Okay, good. I just want to be sure. She didn't recognize anything. 
she had not really expected to. Not this far, at the edge of town where it was all highway and empty space. She wondered what the others looked like, who they were now. Ten years ago, they were best friends, and then it happened. And everything ended, at least for Charlie. She didn't see any of them since she was seven years old. They had ridden all the time as kids. They had ridden all the time as kids. What the fuck? Am I reading or even the real thing? Especially Marla, who oh, who wrote like she talked fast and incoherent. But as they grew older, they have grown apart. The letters have grown fewer and further between, and the conversations leading up to this trip have been. What the fuck is that word? Perfunctory? Perfunct? Perfunctory? This is gonna just be me fucking up words. And full of awkward pauses, Charlie repeated their names as though to reassure herself that she was remembering them. Marla, Jessica, Lamar, Colton, John, and Michael. This was the reason for the trip after all. Michael. It was ten years since he died. Ten years since it happened. And now his parents wanted them all together for dedication for the dedication ceremony. All his old friends, they were there when they announced the scholarship they were creating in his name. Charlie knew it was a good thing to do, but the but the gathering still felt slightly macabre, macabre, macabre. Is it this book for like middle school or like fucking babies? What are you? I hate it. See, that's why I'm not a college. Writer. But I'll be maybe. I don't know. She shivered and turned down the air conditioning, even though she knew it was not the cold. As she drove down into the town center, <laughs> I fucked up the sentence. Uh, Charlie began to recognize things. A few stores and the movie theater, which was now advertising the summer blockbuster hit. She felt a brief moment of surprise, then smiled at herself. What did you expect? That the whole place would be unchanged? A monument of, to the moment of departure, frozen forever in July 1985. Well, that was exactly what she had expected. She looked at her watch, still a few hours to kill before they all met up. She thought about going to the movie, but she all but she knew what she really wanted to do. Charlie made a left turn and headed out of town. Ten minutes later, she pulled to a stop sign and got out. The house loomed above, up before her. It dark, its dark outline, a wound in the bright blue sky. Charlie leaned back against the car, slightly. Who's Charlie? Like, we didn't even got much. I know, it's like, oh, find out more. But, like, I don't know, you know, something. Is Charlie, Charlie a girl? Charlie a guy? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I should have been paying attention. It probably fucking said her. It said her last sentence. <laughs> Charlie leaned back against the car, slightly dizzy. She took a moment to steady her <laughs> The next sentence. She took a moment to steady herself, breathing deeply. She had known it would be her it be here. An illicit look drew her aunt's bank books a few years before told her the mortgage was paid off. And Aunt Jen was still paying property taxes. Oh no Financial property property taxes. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Fucking move, Moth. It had only been ten years. There is no reason it should have been changed at all. Charlie climbed the steps slowly, taking in the peeling paint. 
The dirt stairs stood a loose board, and the rose bushes had taken over one side of the porch, their thorns biting hungrily into the wood. The door was locked, but Charlie still had her key. She had actually never used it. As she slid into the lock, she remembered her father putting its chain around her neck. In case you need it. Well, she needed it now. <laughs> the fuck? In case you ever need it. Well, she needed it now. Where the fucking line is that? Why even bring him back for just to say? In case you need it. <laughs> Stupid. They could have just said, like, you know, she, uh, the key her father gave her. Good thing she kept it. Or some fucking thing like that. No. In case you need it. Anyways, the door opened easily, and Charlie looked around. She didn't remember much about the first couple of years here. She had only been three years old. I wonder if she didn't fucking remember. Who the fool? Yeah, And all the memories faded together in the blur of a child's grief and loss, not understanding why her mother had to go away. Clinging to her father every moment, not trusting the world around her unless he was there. Oh, I'm betting it's like William or something. I don't know. Maybe. Probably not. I'm stupid. Unless she was holding tightly to him, burying herself in his flannel shirts and the smell of grease and hot milk. And him. Ooh, what the f fuck am I reading? Ah, uh, flannel. Flannel. Ah, I bet this is William. I bet this is William just because the flannel. Because, you know, all those little stupid fucking graphic photos map pat shows on this game theories Williams always wearing a fucking plan anyways the stairs stenched straight up in front of her but she did not move directly to them, going instead into the living room where all the furniture was still in place she had not really noticed it was a child but the house was a little too large for the furniture they had and so things were spread out too much widely in order to fill the space the coffee table was too far from the what is the fucking point of this but i i'm gonna skip a little bit charlie stepped around it quickly and went to the kitchen <laughs> where the cupboards had only felt only had a few pots and pans and a few dishes charlie never felt a lack of anything as a child but seemed now that the unnecessary enormity of the house was a sort of apology the attempt of a man who had lost so much to give to his daughter what he could he had a way of overdoing whatever he did. The last time she was here, the house was dark and everything felt wrong. She was being carried up the stairs to her bedroom, although she was seven years old and could have gone quicker on her own two feet. But Aunt Jen picked her up as they stood up, stopped on the front porch and carried her, shielding her face as, as though she was a baby in the glaring sun. In her room. Are we in the past or are we fucking now? No, last time. Past, past, past. In her room, Aunt Jen set her down and closed the bedroom door behind them. And was just so you guys know, we're in some old, I think her old house. And she's just thinking of old memories. of Because her, her old house all fucked up now. And now she's in it right now. Before she goes to the ceremony. Just so you guys know. In case you didn't pick it up. Because I didn't. So, you guys now can. So, you're welcome. And told her to pack her suitcase. And Charlie cried because all her things would could never fit into a small case. Ooh, I can do another voice. We can come back for the rest later, Aunt Jen said. Her impatience leaking Drew as Charlie hovered indecisively as her dresser, 
trying to decide which shirts to bring along. They had never come back for the rest. Charlie mounts the st mounted the stairs heading to her old bedroom. The door was open. And as she opened it, why the fuck does it matter that the door is fucking open? As she opened it, well, if it was already open, then she fucking opened it. The door wasn't open, fucking liars. She had a giddy feeling of displacement, as though her younger self might be sitting there among her toys. What? Look up and ask Charlie. What the fuck? As, her, as though her younger self might be sitting there in toys. Look up, ask Charlie. What should Charlie's voice be? I don't know. What should? What should? No, that's Charlie's dad. No, that's Charlie's dad. Hi, yet? No, that's the aunt. Who are you? Ah, oh, fucking no. good enough. Who are you? Charlie went in. Like the rest of the house, her bedroom was untouched. The walls were pale pink, and the ceiling, and the ceiling. Oh, pale pink, and the ceiling was pink. Which sloped, oh, which sloped dramatically on one side, following the line of the roof. It was painted to match. Her old bed still stood against the wall beneath a large window. The mattress still intact, though the sheets were gone. The window was cracked slightly open, and rotting lace curtains wavered in the gentle breeze from outside. There was a dark water stain in the paint beneath the window, spreading to the mattress. Ooh, I gotta burp. <laughs> Where the weather had gotten in over the years, betraying the house neglect. What the f- Charlie- Damn, God. Charlie climbed into the- onto the bed and forced the window shut. With a screech it obeyed, and Charlie stepped back and it turned her attention to the rest of the room. To her father's creation. There, first night in the house. Oh, five nights! We started night one. Bonnie doesn't come out till 3 a.m. Charlie was afraid to sleep alone. She did not remember the night, but her father had told her about it. <laughs> father had told her about it often enough that the story had taken had taken on the quality of a memory. She sat up and wailed until her father came to find her, till he scooped her up and held her. He, and he promised her he would make sure she was never alone again. The next morning, he took her by the hand and led her to the garage, where he set to work, keeping that promise. The first of his inventions was a pur oh purple rabbit, fucking bunny. It's not fucking bunny. I'm looking a little down, and it's not saying bunny, so it's not fucking bunny. Now gray with age from years of sitting in the sunlight. Her father named him Theodore. Who's getting the best head, Theodore? He was the size of a three-year-old. <laughs> Her size at the time and had plush fur, shining eyes, and a dapper red bow tie. Dapper! He's a fucking dapper! He didn't do much, only waved a hand, tilted his head to the side, and said in his father's voice, Oh, fuck. Oh, wait. I love you, Charlie. I love you so much. Please never feel lonely without me. That last part wasn't in the book, but I just edited it. But it was enough to give her a night watcher. Someone to keep her company. Someone she could not sleep when she could not sleep. Right now, Theodore sat in a white wicker chair in the far corner of the room. Charlie waved at him, but not activated. He did not wave back. After Theodore, the toys got some more complex. Some worked and some did not. This is definitely William. Uh, 
Some seemed to have permanent glitches and others did not appeal to Charlie's childish imagination. She knew her father took those back to his workshop and recycled them for parts, though she did not like to watch them dismantled. But the one, oh, it's the Financial Freddy's Three song, the tombstone one, the dismantled one. Ah, I forgot how it goes. But the ones that were kept, those she loved, and those were here now, looking at her. Expedently, expectantly, expectantly, yeah. Smiling, Charlie pushed a button beside her bed. It gave a, it gave way stiffly, but nothing happened. She pushed it again, holding it down longer. And this time, across the room, with the weary creak of metal on metal, the unicorn became to move. The unicorn, who Charlie had named Stanley for some reason, she could not remember. She could no longer remember. It's because she watched The Office. It's so obvious. So stupid book. Of course. What was made of metal and had been planted, planted, painted glossy white. And it trundled around the room on a circular track, bobbing its head stiffly up and down. The track squealed now as it rounded the corner and came to stop, where Charlie sat on her bed. She got down and knelt, knelt, knelt beside him on the floor, patting his flank. His glossy paint was chipped and peeling, and his face had given over to rust, so that his eyes glazed lively out of decay. You need a new coat of paint, Stanley, Charlie said aloud. The unicorn gazed ahead, unresponsive. At the foot of the bed, there was a wheel, made of patched-together metal. It had always reminded her of something she might find on a, find on a submarine. Charlie turned it. It stuck for a moment, then gave away rotating as it always did. Across the room, the smallest closet doors swung open, and out sailed Ella on her track, a child-sized doll bearing a teacup and saucer in her tiny hands like an offering. Ella's plaid dress was still crisp, and her patent leather shoes were still shown. I'm just making sure I'm still recording. Perhaps in the closet she had been protected from damage of the damp. Charlie had an identical outfit back when she and Ella were the same height. Hi, Ella, she said softly. Oh, hi, Ella, she said softly. <laughs> As the wheel went unwound, Ella retreated to the closet again, the door closing behind her. No, Ella, Foxy's in the closet. Charlie followed her to the closet wall. The closets had, begun to, had been built to align with the slant of the ceiling and there were three of them. Ella lived in the short one, which was about three and a half feet tall. Next to it was a foot, one foot or so higher, and a third closest to the bedroom door was the same height as the rest of the room. She smiled, remembering, Why do you have three closets? Joan had to, oh wait. Why do you have three closets? John had demanded the first time he came up. Well, John's someone else. Uh, why do you have three closets? John had demanded. The first time he came over, she looked at him, blankly, confused by the question. Because that's how many there are, she finally said. Then defensively, she pointed out the littlest one. That one's Ella, anyway, she added. John nodded, satisfied. Yeah, satisfied, John. Charlie shook her head and opened the door to the middle closet, or tried to. The knob stopped with a jolt. It was locked. She had rattled it a few times, but gave up without much conviction. She stayed crouched low to the floor and glanced up to the tallest door, her big girl closet. 
that she would someday grow into. You won't need it until you're bigger. Lawyer. You won't need it until you're bigger, her father said. Would say. Oh, would. He's dead. He's dead. I'm pretty sure he said that, but so. But the day never came. It now haunts. What do you mean? The day never came. She's in there right now. She can fucking hear that. It, it, it now hung, open slightly, but Charlie didn't disturb it. It hadn't opened for her. It had only given way to time. Before she stood, she noticed something shiny, half hidden under the rim of the locked middle door. She leaned forward to pick it up. It looked like a broken off piece of a circuit board. She smiled slightly. Nuts and bolts and scraps and parts and ooh. I don't know what that meant. I just said ooh. I'm getting sleepy. Turn up all the places once upon a time. Oh my god, another fucking backstory. Can we just get on with this? Her father always had stray parts in his pocket. He would carry something he was working on around, set it down, and forget where it was. Or worse, put something aside for safekeeping, never to see again. There was also a strand of her hair clinging to it. She unwounded it carefully from the tiny lip of the metal it was stuck on. Finally, as though she had been putting it off, Charlie crossed the room and picked up Dior. His back had not faded in the sun like the front of his body, and the same rich dirt dark purple she remembered. She pressed the button on the base around the neck, but he remained lifeless. His fur was threadbare. Oh, threadbare! Fredbare. No. Nightmare. One ear hanging loose by a single rotting thread, and through the hole she could see the green plastic of a circuit board. Charlie held her breath, listening fearfully for something. Oh, I guess I could do the rabbit voice. I knew it. I oh, the rabbit said with a barely audible halting noise and Charlie set him down her face hot and chest pinched tight she had not really expected to hear her father's voice oh damn it voice again that was good enough I love your I was trying to do a robot voice because I thought this was a robot speaking I didn't know it was going to be fucking Charlie's dad's voice again so good enough I love you too Charlie looked around the room again. As a child, it had been her mag own magical world. She was possessive of it. Only a few chosen friends were ever allowed inside. She went to her bed and set Stanley moving on his track again. She left, closing the door behind her before the little unicorn came to home. She went out the back door to the driveway and stopped in the front. Finally, leaving. Stopped in the front of the garage that had become her father's workshop. We're not leaving. Half buried in the gravel, a few feet away, was a piece of metal. And Charlie went to pick it up. It was jointed metal, jointed in the metal. God, now I can like imagine like when we were like middle school, like elementary, and the teachers had to read us a chapter of a book. But, like they had to read it to like multiple classes each day. They must have fucking ah, okay, I would fucking hate that. It'd be so angry to reread a fucking chapter over and over. Anyways, and she held it in her hands, smiling as little she went bent back and forth. An elbow joint, she thought. I wonder who that was going to belong to. She had stood in this exact spot many times before. She closed her eyes, and the memory overwhelmed her. She was a little girl again, sitting on the floor of her father's workshop, playing with the scraps of wood and metal, as though they were toys and blocks, trying to build a tower with the uneven pieces. The shop was hot and sweaty 
rhyme sticking everywhere. I say it so weirdly. Anyways, she could almost smell the sharp metallic odor from the soldering iron. Her father was nearby, never out of sight, working on Stanley the Unicorn. Stanley's face was unfinished. On one side, white and shining and friendly, with a shiny brown eye that's almost seemed that's almost to see. The other half of the toy's face was exposed circuit boards and other parts. Charlie's father looked around, looked at her, and smiled. Damn, I had to burp so many fucking times. Blech. Beloved. Behind her father, in the darkened corner, barely visible, hung a jumble of metal limbs, a twisted skeleton with burning silver eyes. Silver eyes! Silver eyes! Every once in a while, it'd give her an uncanny twitch. Charlie tried to never look at it, but as her father worked, as she played with her makeshift toys, her eyes were drawn back to it again and again. The limbs contorted, almost seeming mocking the thing as a ghastly gesture, and yet there was something about it that suggested enormous pain. Charlie! No wait, Charlie, no. Daddy! Charlie said, and her father did not look up from his work. Daddy! She said again, more urgently. Daddy! Uh, uh, no, I don't want to say it like that. And this time, he turned slowly to her, as though she was not fully present in the world. What do you need, sweetie? She pointed at the melee skeleton. Does he, does it hurt? She wanted to ask the question, but looked into her father's eyes. She found she could not. She shook her head. Nothing. He nodded at her with an absent smile and went back to his work. Behind him, the creature gave another awful twitch, and its eyes still burned. When is chapter fucking two? Because how long? How much do I got so far? 26 minutes. Oh, my God. Okay. Give me a sec. I have to. Little, little quick drinky. Drink sweetie. Need a break. Shut up. Charlie shivered and drew herself back to the present. Oh, she's oh, she fucking drew herself back in the present. So fucking hard. She glanced behind her, feeling exposed. She looked down and her gaze fixed on something. Three widening space grooves in the ground. She knelt thoughtfully and ran her finger over one of them. The gravel was scattered away, the marks worn heavily into the dirt. A camera tripod of some sort? It was the first unfamiliar thing she'd seen. The door to the workshop was slightly cracked open, inviting, but she felt no desire to go inside. Quickly, she headed back to her car. Settling into the driver's seat, she stopped. Her keys were gone, having probably fallen out of her pocket somewhere inside the house. She re retraced her steps, only glancing into the living room and kitchen before heading up into her bedroom. The keys were on the wicker chair beside the door. She picked them up and jangled them for a moment. Not quite ready to leave this room behind, she sat down on the bed. Stanley, the unicorn, had always come back around to the bed before stopping, and he always did. As she sat, she patted him absently on the head. It had grown- Why are we back in the fucking room? It had grown dark while she was going outside, while she was outside, and the room was now cast in shadows. Somehow, without the bright sunlight, the toy's flaws, deterioration, were thrown into sharp relief. Theodore's eyes no longer shone. His thin fur and hanging ear made him look like a sickly vagabond. When she looked down at Stanley, the rust around his eyes made him look like hollow sockets. 
and his bare teeth, which was she had always thought was a smile, became the awful, knowing grin of a skull. Charlie stood up, careful not to touch him, and hurried through the door. But she tripped on the tracks and fell sprawling onto the floor. Did that rhyme? No, it didn't. Her foot catching on the wheel beside the bed as she went. There was a whir of spinning metal, and as she raised her head, a small pair of feet appeared under her nose. Clad in shining patent leather, she looked up. There, above her, was Ella, staring her down, silently, uninvited. Uninvited! Her glassy eyes almost appearing to see. The teacup and saucer were held out before her with a military stiffness, and Charlie got up cautiously, taking care not to disturb the doll. She went out of the room, stepping carefully to avoid accidentally activating any other toys. As she went, Ella almost matched her pace, retreating to the closet. Charlie hurried down the stairs, seized by an urgency to get away. In the car, she fumbled the key three times before sighting into place. She backed too fast down the driveway, running recklessly across over the grass, over the front yard, and sped away. After about a mile, Charlie pulled over on the shoulder and turned off the car. Staring straight ahead through the windshield, her eyes focused on nothing. She forced herself to breathe slowly. She reached up and adjusted the rear window so she could see herself. Hey, boom! Something. Uh, uh, she, <laughs> I was moving the pages, so that's why. That's why I was like, oh, boom! But there was nothing in the page. She always expected to see pain, anger, sorrow written on her face, but there never were. Her cheeks were pink, and her face was round, looked almost cheerfully, like always. Her first weeks living with Aunt Jen began introduced to Jen's friend. She heard the same thing over and over. What a pretty child! What a happy child she looks! What a happy person! Charlie always looked like she was about to smile. Her brown eyes wide and sparkling, her thin mouth ready to curve up, even when she wanted to sob. The incredulity, I don't know what that word, a mild betrayal. She ran her fingers through the light brown hair as though she, that would magically fix its slight frizziness and put the mirror back into position. She turned back on the car and searched for the radio station, hoping music might bring her fully back to reality. She flipped from station to station, not really hearing anything of what any of them were playing, and finally settled on an AM broadcast with a host who seemed to be yelling condescendingly at his audience. That's me! She had no idea. Look, I'm, refer I'm referenced in the book. I actually wrote the book. You guys are really stupid. I read this book. I'm promoting my book. You get fucking stupid. She had no idea what she was talking about. But the brash and annoying sound was enough to jar her back into the present. The clock in her car was always wrong. Fuck. The biggest hint of the book right there. The car was always wrong. <laughs> But she checked her watch. It was almost time to meet her friends at the diner they had chosen near the center of town. Charlie put, pulled back onto the road and drove, letting the sound of angry tacos soothe her mind. I think I am going to end it there. On the first, I'm just going to call that the first chapter. Is there something that's been saying chapter? Let me scroll down to see if there's something called chapters. Or I'm just fucking going to random shit, being fucking stupid. That's like, what, 30 minutes? Oh, there's a chapter two. We are not done. <laughs> I have to finish reading. Okay. Oh my god, there's so many voices out to do that. Okay. We are not done. <laughs> oh my god, there's so many fucking voices. Okay. 
No, wait, I'm still going up. Okay. Give me a breather. When she reached the restaurant, Charlie pulled into the lot and stopped, but did not park. The front of the diner had a long picture window all across it, and she could see right inside. Though she had not seen them for years, it only took her a moment to spot her friends through the window. Jessica was easiest to pick out of the crowd. She always had enclosed pictures with her letters, and right now she looked exactly like the way her in her last photo. Even seated, she was clearly taller than either of the boys, and was very thin. Thanks for that fucking random ass fact. Though Charlie could not see her whole outfit, she was wearing a loose white shirt and embroidered vest and had brim hat perched on her glossy shoulder length brown hair and enormous flower threatening to the tip of her head. She was talking, gesturing, excited, gesturing excitedly about something as she spoke. The two boys sitting next to her shut her facing her. Carlton looked like an older version of his red-headed childhood self. He still had a bit of a baby face, but his features had refined. As his hair was carefully trousered and held in place by some chemical hair product. He was almost pretty for a boy, and wore a black workout shirt, though he, she doubted he'd ever worked out in a day in his life. He was slouched forward on the table, resting his chin on his hands. Beside him was John. I feel like John's fat. Beside him was John, sitting closest to the window. John had always been the kind of child who got dirty before he even went outside. There would be paint on his shirt before the teacher handed out the paint. <laughs> Stupid son. Grass stains on his knees before they came near the playground. And dirt under his fingernails after he washed his hands. Charlie knew it was him because it had to be him. <laughs> But he looked completely different. The grubbiness of childhood had been replaced by something crisp and clean. He was wearing neat, a neatly pressed light, light green button-on shirt, the sleeves rolled up, and the collar open, preventing him from looking too uptight. And he was leaned back confidently in the booth, nodding enthusiastically, apparently absorbed in whatever Jessica was saying. The only concession to his former self was his hair, sticking up all over his head. In that five o'clock shadow, a smug adult version of the dirt he was always covered in the kid. Charlie smiled to herself. John had always been something like her childhood crush. Alright, I retract my fat joke. I am not fat phobic. I take my boy joke. I'm not gonna kick it. Before <laughs> before either of them really understood what that meant, he gave her cookies from the Transformer lunchbox. And once in kindergarten, took the blame when she broke the glass jar. He had heat that held colored beads for art and craft. She remembered the moment when it slipped from her hands and watched it fall. She could have not moved fast enough to catch it, but she could have not tried. What? She wanted to see it break. The glass hit the wood floor, shattered into a thousand pieces, and the beads scattered, many colored among the shards. She thought it was beautiful, and then started to cry. John had sent a note, had a note sent home to his parents, and when she told him thank you, he had winked at her with an irony beyond his years, and simply said, "For what?" Wait, no, she's told him, "Thank you." Simply, uh, what should John's voice be? You guys, let me know if I should change John's voice. For what? No, it's just Charlie's dad. All the guys' voices are Charlie's dad. Uh. 
Fuck! Wait, didn't I do John's voice earlier? Perot! No. I don't know if that was John. I forget. I think it was. Alright, John, you're gonna get that voice. Perot! After that, John was allowed. It was! John was allowed to come to the room. She let him play with Stanley and Delor, watching anxiously the first time as she learned to press the buttons and make them move. She would be crushed if he didn't like them, knowing instinctively that if he did not, she would think less of him. Well, what a fucking shithead. They were her family, but John was fascinated as soon as he saw them. He loved her mechanical toys, and so she loved him. Two years later, behind a tree beside her father's bookshelf, she almost let him kiss her, and then it happened. And everything ended, at least for Charlie. Charlie shook herself, forcing her mind back to the present. I know. Every fucking two seconds, she's thinking of the past. But fucking just standing in front of a fucking store, just, wow. Those are my friends from the past. Wow. Anyways. Looking again at Jessica's polished appearance, she looked down at herself. Purple t-shirt, denim jacket, black jeans, and combat boots. Eh, she's gonna kick ass. It had felt like a good choice this morning, but now she'd wish she had chosen something else. This is all you ever wear, she reminded herself. She found a parking space, locked, locked the car behind her, even though people in Hurricane Utah did not usually lock their cars, and went into the diner to meet her friends for the first time in 10 years. The warmth and noise and light of the restaurant hit her in a wave as she entered and for a moment she was over overwhelmed but jessica saw her paused in the doorway and shouted her name and charlie smiled and went over hi she said awkwardly flickering her eyes at each of them but not fully making eye contact jessica scooted over on the red vinyl bench and patted the seat next to her what should jessica's voice be um, you know what since she Charlie was describing her as like, you know, beautiful. Her voice would be, hi. Yeah, that's good. Hi, she said awkwardly, flicking her eyes at each of them, but not fully. Oh, wait, no. Here, sit here. <laughs> here. Here, sit, she said. I was just telling John and Carlton about my glamorous life. She rolled her eyes as she said it, managing to convey both self-deprecation in the self in the sense that her life was truly something exciting oh uh, okay carlton's voice next i'm not gonna remember all these voices i <laughs> they're gonna have new voices every time i talk about carlton boy i don't know carlton no i'm sorry john john voice story like that uh fuck it carlton is just gonna be my fucking voice because it's easy uh, but my voice is the narrator <sighs> Is Carlton the narrator? No. I gotta change his voice. Did the gym love Jessica lives in town? Carlton says. I had to put two fingers against my throat to do that. There was something carefully careful about the way he spoke. He was thinking about his words before he formed them. John was silent, but he smiled at Charlie anxiously. Jessica rolled her eyes again with a flash of deja vu. Charlie suddenly recalled that this had been a habit every even when they were children. Eight, eight million people live in New York, Carlton. It's not exactly an achievement, Jessica said. Carlton shrugged. I've never been anywhere, he said. I didn't know you still lived in town, Charlie said. Well, where else am I going to live, Charlton said. 
My family has been here since 1896, he said, deepening his voice to mimic his father. Is that even true? Charlie's asked. I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck he said? Carlton said in his own register. Could it, could it be Dad ran for mayor two years ago? I mean, he lost, but still, who runs for mayor? He made a face. I swear, the day I turn 18, I'm out of here. Uh, wait. Where are you going? John said, looking seriously at Carlton. Carlton met his eyes, just as a serious moment, and abruptly, he broke away and pointed out the window, closing one eye as if it's it to aim true. John raised his eyebrow, an eyebrow, an eyebrow, just one, then looked out the window, <laughs> trying to follow the line Carlton was pointing to. Charlie looked too. Carlton wasn't pointing at anything. John opened his mouth to say something at Carlton, and Carlton interrupted. Or, he said, and something smoothly pointed in the opposite direction. Okay, John scratched his head, looking slightly embarrassed. Anywhere, right? He added with a laugh. Ha! Where's everyone else? Charlie said, peering out the window and searching the parking lot for new arrivals. Tomorrow! No, wait. Tomorrow! Tomorrow! <laughs> Can't that keep forgetting John? And Jessica jumped in to clarify. They're coming! They're coming tomorrow morning! Marla's bringing her little brother. Can you believe it? Jason? Charlie smiled. She remembered Jason as a little bundle of blankets with a tiny red face peeking out. I mean, who wants a baby around? Jessica adjusted her hat primely. I'm pretty sure he's not a baby anymore, Charlie said, stifling a laugh. <laughs> Practically a baby, Jessica said. Who says this? Who says this? Oh, Jessica says this. Next Anyways, I booked us a room at the motel by the highway. It was all I can find. The boys are staying with Carlton. Okay, Charlie said. She was vaguely impressed by Jessica's organization, but not happy with about the plan. She was loath to share a room with Jessica, who had now seemed like a stranger. Jessica had become the kind of girl who intimidated her, polished and immaculate. Speaking, though, as she had everything figured out in her life. For a moment, Charlie considered going back to her old house for the night. But as soon as she thought of it, the idea repelled her. That house, at night. Fucking antivirus. I do not care. That was so loud in my ear. That house, at night. She was no longer the providence of living. Don't be dramatic. She scolded herself. But now John was speaking. He was not speaking. He had a way of commanding his attention. <laughs> Probably because he spoke less than everyone else. Thank God he speaks less. He's not to do more dialogue. He spent most of the time listening, but not out of resistance. Retention? I don't know. He was getting information, speaking only when had he had wisdom or sarcasm to dispense. Often it was about both. Who said this? Who? Who? Okay, I'm assuming it's John. What the fuck is his voice? Does anyone know what's happening tomorrow? They were all silent for a moment and the waitress took the opportunity to come over for their order. Charlie flipped quickly through the menu. Her eyes gouged on the menu, searching, looking for food. Charlie's turn to order came much faster. She expected. She, she froze. Um, eggs? She said at last. The woman's hard expression was still fixed on her, and she realized she had not finished. Oh, fuck. Scrambled, wheat, or toast, she added, and the woman went away. 
Charlie looked back down at the menu. She hated this about herself. When she was caught off guard, she seemed to lose the ability to act, to process what was going around the render. She, people were incomprehensible. Their man's alien. Ordering diners shouldn't be hard, she thought. The others had begun their conversation again, and she turned away to the attention to them, feeling like she had fallen behind again. What are you guys even saying to your parents? Jessica was saying, Carlton, do you even see them? Charlie asked. Not really, he said. Around, I guess, sometimes. I'm surprised they stayed in Hurricane, Jessica said with a note of worldly disapproved in her voice. Oh, wait. I'm surprised they stayed in Hurricane. <laughs> Charlie said nothing, but thought of how could they not. His body had never been put on. His body has never been found. How could they have not secretly hoped he might not come home, no matter how impossible they knew it was? More fucking pictures. How could they not? How could they leave only home? What? How could they leave the only home Michael knew? It would really mean finally giving them up. Maybe that was what this scholarship was about. An admission that he was never coming home. Charlie was acutely aware that they were in a public place and talking about Michael felt inappropriate. They were in a sense both insiders and outsiders. They had been close to Michael, probably than anyone in this restaurant. Yet, the exception of Carlton, they were no longer in here. they were no longer from Hurricane. They did not belong. She saw it felt she saw it before she felt tears falling on her placement pad. She hurriedly wiped her tears, looking down, hoping that no one had noticed. When she looked up, I fucking knew it. John. Oh, never mind. John appeared to be studying silverware. <laughs> okay. Uh, but she had, oh, she had knew she had been seen and was grateful for him not trying to offer comfort. John, do you still write? Charlie asked. John declared himself an author of when they were about six. Having learned to read and write when he was four, a year ahead of the rest of them, at the age of seven, he completed his first novel, impressed his poorly spelled, inscrutable, illustrated creation onto his friends and family. Oh. I did have the burp. Demanding reviews. Charlie remembered she had given him only two stars. John laughed at the question. What was John's first? I actually... I actually do the ease the right way. Wait, I actually use my ease the right way around these days, he said. I can't believe you remember that, but I do actually. Yeah. He stopped, clearly wanting to say more. What are you right? Carlton obliged with the question. John looked down at his placement mat, speaking mostly to the table. Um, short stories mainly. I actually published last year. I mean, it was just a magazine, nothing big. They all made suitable noises of being impressed. And when he looked up again, embarrassed, but please. What was the story about? Charlie said. He hesitated. Before John could speak or decided to speak, the waiters returned their food. They have all ordered from the breakfast room. Coffee. Isn't it like nighttime? Why the fuck? Breakfast room. Coffee, eggs, and bacon. Blueberry pancakes for Carlton. The brightly colorful food looked hopefully like a fresh start to the day. Is, is it the fucking morning? I'm confused. Charlie took a bite of her toast and they all suddenly say, Hey Carlton, John said suddenly. What happened to ever, what, whatever happened to Freddy's anyways? <sighs> we finally fucking saw that. Jesus. There's a brief hush. Carlton looked nervously at Charlie, and Jessica stared up at the ceiling. John flushed red, and Charlie spoke hastily. 
Wait, who spoke? Charlie. Oh, it's okay, Carlton. I'd like to know, too. Carlton shrugged, stabbing at his pancakes nervously with his foot. They built over it, he sighed. <laughs> oh, that hurts my throat. What they build? Jessica said. This is it. Is there something else there now? Was it built over or just torn down? John asked. And Carlton shrugged again like it was a nervous tick. Like I said, I don't know. It's too far back from the road to see. I haven't in exactly investigated it. It might have been leased to someone, but I don't know what they did. It's been blocked off for I gotta go down the little years under construction. You can't even tell if the building's still there. So it could still be there, Jessica said with a spark of ex So it could still be there, Jessica said with a spark of excitement breaking through. Like I said, I don't know, Carlton said. Charlie's felt the diner fluorescence lights glaring down on her face. Suddenly, too bright, she felt exposed. She had barely eaten, but she found herself rising from the booth, pulling a few crumpled bills from her pocket and dropping them on the table. I'm going to go outside for a minute, she said. Smoke break, she said uh, hastily. You don't smoke, she chided, chided herself from the clumsy lie as she made herself way to the door. Jocelyn passed the family forward without saying anything. Excuse me, I stepped down in the cool evening. So yeah, I don't know what time. I don't know what fucking day it is. Like. She walked to her car and sat on, sat on the hood, the metal denting slightly under her weight. She looked, took in a few breaths in the cooler as if there were water. Close her eyes. You knew it would come up. You knew you would have to talk about it. She reminded herself. She had practice on the drive there. Forced herself to think back to the happy memories. To smile and say, remember when? She thought she was prepared for this, but of course she had been wrong. Or why would she have to run out around a child like that? Who's that? Charlie! She she opened her eyes and saw John standing next to the car, holding her jacket out in front of him. You forgot your jacket. You forgot your jacket. Yeah, that's right. You forgot your jacket. That's John's voice. He said. She made herself smile at him. Thanks, she said. She took it and draped it over her shoulders and slid over the car hood to sit with him. Sorry about that, she said. In the dim lights of the parking lot, she can see him blush to the ears. He jointed her on the car hood, leaving a deliberate space between them. I'm sorry. I can't do the voice anymore. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't learned, I haven't learned to think about before I talk. I'm sorry. John watched the sky as the plane approached. Charlie smiled, this time unforced. It's okay. I knew it was going to come up. It had to. It just, I sound stupid, but I never think about it. I don't let myself. No one knows what happened except my aunt if we never talk about it. Then I come here and suddenly it's everywhere. I was just surprised. That's all. Uh oh. John pointed and Charlie saw Jessica and Carlton hesitating in the doorway at the diner. She waved them over and they came. Remember. <laughs> Remembering that time, Charlie, <laughs> at Freddy's, when the merry-go-round got stuck in Marla. <laughs> Marla and Billy, who the fuck are those? Oh wait, no, this is Charlie speaking. Remember that time at Freddy's when the merry-go-round got stuck in Marla and that mean kid Billy had to keep riding until their parents plucked them off? Charlie said. John laughed. <laughs> and broke out across the Charlie's face. <laughs> their faces bright, their faces, their faces bright red, crying like child. She Wait, 
Their faces were bright red and crying like babies. She covered her face with guilt. That was so funny to her. So funny. There was a brief silence. Surprise silence. Then Carlton started laughing. Then Marla puked all over him. Sweet justice, Charlie said. Actually, I think it was nachos, John added. Jessica wrinkled her nose. So gross. I never wrote it again. <laughs> Not after that. Oh, come on, Jessica. They cleaned it, said Carlton. Well, Carlton speaking. I'm sure some kids puked all over that. I'm sure kids puked all over that place. Those, this is hurting my throat so bad. Those white flowers weren't there for none, right, Charlie? <laughs> Don't look at me, she said. I never puked. We used to spend so much time there. Privileges of knowing the owner's daughter, Jessica said, looking at Charlie with mock accusation. Oh, it is William. I couldn't help who my dad was, Charlie said, laughing. Jessica looked thoughtful for a moment and then continued. I mean, how could you have a better childhood than spending all day at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza? Oh my god, he said it. She said, I don't know, Carlton said. I think that music got to me over the years. He hummed a few bars of the familiar song. <laughs> and Charlie dipped her head and calling the time. I love those animals so much, Jessica said. Suddenly, what's, what's the proper term for them? Animals? Robots? Mascots? I think those are all, actually, all accurate, Charlie leaned back. Well, anyways, I used to go and talk to the bunny. What was his name? <gasps> Bonnie, Charlie said. Yeah, said Jessica. I used to complain about him, about my parents. I always thought he was an understanding look about him. Carlton laughed. Animatronic therapy. Recommended by six out of seven crazy people. <laughs> That's so funny how I did that voice. Or I am so funny at 3.57 a.m. Shut up. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! That's the character. Oh. <laughs> Shut up! Just. Shut up! I I knew he wasn't real. I just liked talking to him. Charlie smiled a little. I remember that she said. Jessica in the prim little dresses, her brown hair in two tight braids. Am I still recording? Okay, good. Thank God. I would have been pissed if I stopped recording a while ago and I didn't fucking notice. Like a little kid out of an old book, walking up to the stage when the show was on, whispering earnestly to the life-size animatronic Robin. Robin? Rabbit. If anyone came up beside her, she inst went instantly silent and still, waiting for him to go away as she could resume her one-sided conversation. Charlie had never talked to animals or at her father's restaurant or felt close to them like some kind, some kids seemed to. Although she liked them, they belonged to the public. She had her own toys, mechanical friends waiting for her at home that belonged to her only. I like Freddy. No. I like. I like. I like. I like. I like Freddy's. Okay. John's voice changed again. He only seemed the most relatable. You know, there's always lots of things about my childhood that I can't remember at all, Carlton said. But I swear I could close my eyes and see every last detail of that place. Even the gum I used to stick under the tables. 
Gum. Yeah, right. Those were boogers. Jessica took a tiny step away from God. I'm just more excited for Jessica to speak. He grinned. I was seven. What do you want? You all picked on me back then, remember? Marla wrote Carl to smell our feet on the wall outside. He did smell our feet. Jessica laughed with a son burst and son Albert. <laughs> Carlton shrugged untrubertly. I used to try I used to try to hide. I used to try to hide when it was time to go home. I wanted to be stuck in there overnight so I could have the whole place to myself. A night at Freight <laughs> something to say, but it's stupid if they did. Yeah, you always kept everyone waiting, said John. And you always hid under the same table. Charlie sp spoke slowly, and when she did, everyone turned to her as thought that she'd been waiting some. Sometimes I feel like I remember every inch of it, like Carlton, she said. But sometimes I like like I hardly remember it at all. It's all in pieces, like I remember the carousel and the time it got stuck. I remember the drawing on the placements. So many times. I've seen placemats too many fucking times in this damn book already. Get rid of that word. Oh, my drawers. I remember little things eating that greasy pizza, hugging Freddy in the summer, and his yellow fur getting stuck all over my clothes. But a lot of it look, is like pictures. Like it happened to someone else. Ooh, uh, Charlie's a clone. They were looking at her oddly. Freddy's brown, right? Jessica said to the others for confirmation. I guess you don't really remember it that well after all. Carlton teased Charlie after she laughed briefly. <laughs> right? Wait, who's saying this? Who's speaking? Right? I meant brown, she said. Brown Freddy was brown. Brown. Freddy was brown. Of course he was. She could see him in her mind now. But somewhere in the depths of all her recall, there was a flash of something else. Carlton launched into a new story. Charlie tried to turn her attention to him. But there was something disturbing, worrisome about that last of the memory. It was a dog. A fucking backflash. It was ten years ago. Oh, I gotta make sure my podcast over or whatever fucking thing I'm using. It's not like he got dementia at 17, she told herself. But it was such a basic detail to misremember. Out of the corner of her eye, she caught John looking at her. Pensive expression on him, as though she had said something important. You really don't know what happened to it? She asked Carlton with more urgency in her voice than intended. He stopped talking, surprised. Sorry, she said. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's okay. No, wait. It's okay. It's okay, he said. But... But yeah, or no, I really don't know what happened. How can you not know? You live here. Charlie, come on, said John. It's not like I hang around- wait. It's not like I hang around the part of town. Things are different. The town has grown, Carl Carlton said mildly, seeming unruffled by her outburst. And honestly, don't look for reasons to go around there, you know? Why would I? There isn't any reason not anymore. Oh my god, I'm gonna do it. We could go there, John said suddenly. Charlie's heart skipped. Carlton looked uh, nervously at Charlie. What? Seriously? It's a mess. I don't know if you can even get into it. Charlie found herself nodding. She felt as though she had spent the whole day weighted down by the memory, seeing everything filter year, and now she felt suddenly alert, her mind fully present. She wanted to go. 
Let's do it, she said. Even if there's nothing there, I want to see. They were all silent. Then John smiled with reckless confidence. Yeah, let's start. Oh my god, chapter two. Thank you, God. I am fucking done. I am done with this chapter. Uh, I'm going to try to add music. If not, it's going to be really bad. And it's just going to be me doing this. I hope I don't lose this audio. Because if I do, I'm going to give up. Because I ain't doing an entire fucking hour again of audio. But, if everything goes good, I'll try to get chapter 2 out whenever. It took a lot longer than I thought. I thought chapter 1 was going to be like 30 minutes or something. So, it's already an hour long. And it's one chapter. And there's... 407 pages left, so uh, this is going to be a lot longer than I thought. Other than that, it was good. <laughs>